0: If you're watching this video, there's a strong chance you are already familiar with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, its historic importance in MMA and the legendary Gracie family. You no doubt know of Hoist winning the early UFC tournaments and establishing BJJ as an essential martial art. Going further, the more dedicated fans among you will also be aware of the more obscure Gracie family members, especially including Hickson, whose significance in MMA and BJJ helped to develop the Japanese powerhouse of MMA. Pride Fighting Championships. Needless to say, the presence of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu around the world is incredibly well known. However, when you dig into the history of the martial art, you can't help but take notice of its rival from the same region, Luta Livre. What would ensue during the second half of the 20th century was a power struggle between the two to prove which martial art was the dominant force in Brazil and around the world. At times, it involved much more than mere strikes and submissions, but was instead much more like an all-out war. I'm Jason from MMA on Point, and this is the story of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu versus Luta Libre. So first of all, what are the differences between the two anyway? Well, although this isn't as much true anymore since no-gi jiu-jitsu tournaments are very common now, but traditionally BJJ was trained in a kimono or gi, and this system was designed with the intention of mobilizing smaller athletes into being able to out-technique larger foes who they could then subdue and submit if necessary. Luta Livre, in contrast, looks very similar on the surface, but the main differences involve a bigger emphasis on leg locks since its roots are in wrestling, think Ken Shamrock's leg locks and Pancrase, but perhaps the most divisive element was actually training without a gi. And although much of the aim was also developed to submit your opponent in any way you can, striking was also heavily emphasized. This was true especially as it found more communion with other martial arts as the rivalry would grow. But why does the lack of a gi matter so much? It's just clothing, right? So why was it so disruptive? Well, it goes far beyond the simple cosmetics of it. You see gis in the BJ J system itself was highly expensive in Brazil at the time. When you delve into the lineage of the Gracie family themselves who modified the original Japanese art, you might be surprised to learn that their family tree originates from Scotland and their move to Brazil in 1801. It all started with George Gracie's immigration from Scotland. In fact, he had red hair and hardly even resembles many of his descendants now. The significance of this is that the family was associated with wealth since their move out of Scotland to Brazil. Brazil, and his grandson, Gustau Gracie, married into an affluent family in the region who was also very prominent in the political arena. Gustau was the first man to study traditional martial arts in the early 1900s with a Japanese immigrant by the name of Mitsuya Maida. He's also the man that taught his sons. It's this that began the family tradition in the sport, and from this point was where they began to branch off into their own form, most profoundly with Carlos and Elio Gracie. In short, this wealthy descendancy, means that Gracie Jiu-Jitsu was practiced among those who had money, where Luta Livre, which literally translates to free fighting and is a style of catch or folk style wrestling, became the alternative with a much lower entry cost since they didn't require the expensive garb or the status. It's these factors that made it much more welcoming to the common man. And that is the larger, overarching, and more deep-seated reason for the rivalry. Anytime you get into a discussion about social class, wealth, and economic disparity anywhere in the world, things begin to take on a much more serious and convoluted tone. It's a rivalry as old as the institution of money itself, the rich versus the poor, but in this case, since they were trained killers also vying for the dominant fighting style in that region, this was the proverbial dynamite which was ignited by two groups' inherent class warfare. And this rivalry built slowly as both disciplines began to spread. The first clash between them was, well... A peaceful one, outside the ring at first. It featured another George Gracie, not to be confused with his great-grandfather of the same name. And he actually has the whole Jorge-George name pronunciation debate going on. This might remind you of someone. Give him the three-piece with the soda. Well, this George, who is Hoyce's uncle for context, met Luta Libre's founder, Euclides Haddam, also known as Tattoo, in 1940. His nickname literally translating to the armadillo had made a name for himself by defeating and submitting various other specialists with his no-gi submission-kept wrestling approach, which was enough to garner the attention of George Gracie, who issued a challenge, a regular custom back in those days. So Tattoo accepted and handily defeated Gracie with a wrist lock. This instantly boosted the name of Luta Libre, in Brazil since Gracie BJJ already had a reputation for being a force to be reckoned with. Over the next few decades, BJJ and in particular George alongside his two brothers, Carlos and Ilio Gracie, would fine-tune their art and defeat almost all comers from different disciplines of fighting, cementing BJJ as the more effective martial art in the mind of the masses. During this time, Luta Libre would take over the No Holds Barred or Vale Tudo scene in Brazil, and it wasn't until the 1980s when the rivalry would truly take off. According to the history book's in 1982 during a Brazilian carnival, members of the Gracie family fought in the streets with members of a local Muay Thai school, which left Charles Gracie and a 15-year-old Hoist Gracie defeated by much older foes. Outraged by how his younger family members had been treated, Halls Gracie rounded up the most formidable members of his gym and marched to the Muay Thai Academy where he embarrassed the gym by defeating their head coach. As you can imagine, the Muay Thai school was not exactly pleased with this, and so then a Valley Tudo event was set up where each academy would pit three members against each other and it was one of those muay thai competitors that just so happened to be future ufc tournament winner marco huas who came from the background of luta libre as well in preparation for their upcoming fights with the grappling experts huas brought together the muay thai and luta libre schools which proved to be pretty smart as the bjj fighters were heavily favored and they would be held to a draw overall as a result, Jiu-Jitsu's reputation was damaged for a while. The Muay Thai's academy involvement essentially ended here though, as it was Luta Livre that would carry the torch forward from this point on. Following the success of the faction in recent competitions, it was being discussed how the great Hicks and Gracie would fare against the elite Luta Libre fighters. Hixon was planning on moving to America, but did not want to leave without this question being answered first. So then he challenged Marco Huas himself, but he actually wanted too much time to prepare. So instead he targeted a young rising Luta Libre talent and Hugo Duarte. With the suspicion that Duarte might have tried to avoid the fight, Hixon confronted him on a beach in Rio de Janeiro and slapped him. All because he knew he would have no choice but to retaliate. Hixon fairly comfortably mounted and then forced Duarte to quit. Although, Duarte himself claims he was kicked and had sand in his face by the surrounding BJJ guys. Regardless, the footage was used to help promote Gracie Jiu Jitsu in the aftermath and put Luta Livre on the ropes. Naturally, Duarte took this personal. The rivalry reached a whole new height after this as he rounded up over a reported 60 Luta Livre guys armed with knives and guns to storm the Gracie Academy. When they arrived... They were met by perhaps the smallest Gracie family member, 76-year-old Ilio. Thankfully, Ilio somehow managed to defuse the volatile situation and prevented unspeakable violence from taking place. The potentially hostile day ended up with Hickson again defeating Duarte in a rematch, who this time didn't have the excuse of being caught off guard. With various Gracie members soon migrating to America, the rivalry petered out for a while. BJJ would continue to prosper and was on the verge of exploding with the inception of the UFC being right around the corner luta libre on the other hand would lose its momentum without a huge amount of star power to carry the name forward but instead stepped a new protagonist for the conflict a relatively then unknown bjj brown belt by the name of Walid ishmael and despite also being from bjj he actually went on to defeat henzo and chokehoist unconscious in the years to come he was so confident that ishmael stated that luta libre was just a bad copy of bjj quote unquote This was picked up by a major Rio newspaper in April of 1991, which sent the Luta Livre crew into a rage. So next, something that you might have guessed happened. It's already a running theme of this rivalry. They gathered up their most intimidating fighters and invaded Hobson Gracie's academy, which resulted in a Valley Tudo duel between the two teams. Because of injuries, there were only three scheduled fights with Jiu Jitsu naming Ishmael, Fabio Gurgel, and the future UFC champion, Marilla Bustamante as their competitors. The event was aired on national TV with bragging rights up for grabs, and sure enough, it was BJJ that that picked up a clean sweep of wins with a huge boost of popularity as a result. After this television spectacle aired, the conflict began to fade as Royce Gracie conquered the early UFC tournaments in 1993 and 1994, establishing America as the new premier battleground to put your skills to the test on. The surprising success of Gracie Jiu Jitsu drew the attention of Sheik Tanoon, who would later go on to found the prestigious submission grappling organization ADCC. But for his first endeavor combat sports, Tanun wanted to bring large-scale MMA to Brazil and organized a 1997 event called Pentagon Combat featuring Oleg Taktarov, Murilo Bustamani, and was main evented by BJJ's Henzo Gracie, and Luta Libre's Eugenio Tadu. Tadu played a consistent part in the historic rivalry. He competed in the 1983 Trilogy of Fights, battled Hoedler Gracie to a near 40-minute draw following the notorious invasion of the Gracie Academy, and lost to Walid Ishmael in the 1991 Televised Vale Tudo event. When Henzo and Tadu met, bad blood from previous years was brought to the forefront because Henzo was present at Hickson's beach fight with Duarte in 1988. And stemming back to that, that. that he'd never settled his score with Luta Libre. Duarte knew this would be a huge opportunity to fly the flag for Luta Libre and potentially pick up a monumental victory for his martial art. But unfortunately, this now infamous main event fight started but never finished. As the excitement began to build in the crowd, BJJ and Luta Libre supporters moved closer and closer to the action and they ended up pressing up against the outside of the cage. Before the fight would come to a conclusion, Henzo explained to MMA Fighting that he was kicked through the fence by a fan so he retaliated and then a mass brawl broke out in the entire arena. The room was completely destroyed, people were injured, and even gunshots were allegedly fired. This whole sequence of events made international news, with even CNN in America covering the riot. The whole fiasco caused Vali to be immediately banned in Rio de Janeiro. Following this insane climax of the battle between the two disciplines, thankfully cooler heads would prevail and no wild animosity arose again. Perhaps it was this moment that made everyone realize that things had gone too far. Jiu-Jitsu continued to grow with the Gracie name and the growth of MMA in general, while Luta Livre was largely absorbed into the Valley Tudo scene with much less individual recognition moving forward. Many of its unique techniques are still widely taught to this day, but there's a reason why Bruce Buffer is no longer introducing competitors from that martial art. Indelibly, the two have left an everlasting impression upon the other, as it's noteworthy that over the years BJJ would begin to adopt a new Gi side of the sport, while putting a larger emphasis on leg locks. But by no means has Luta Libre died. Strikers like Darren Till and Jose Aldo, who earned his black belt from Marco Huas, have trained Luta Libre's techniques extensively. But there's no doubt about it, Jiu-Jitsu won the war against Luta Libre over the course of their near 60-year-long rivalry. And it continues to be an absolutely essential martial art for anyone looking to be successful in MMA, especially from that region, with its roots firmly established in the sport. It's this rivalry with Luta Libre that helped push BJJ and the Gracie family towards MMA through the early days with their competitive battles and trying to push the martial arts further. It's this that's one of the largest contributing factors to the sport that we all know and love today. I'd like to give a huge shout out to Max Randall who probably has the stickiest keyboard for both personal and business reasons because he's on it all the time. You can follow him on Twitter at Max underscore Randall. And I'd also like to give a shout out to Charlie Howard who helped me write this video. You can follow him on Twitter at MMA underscore Charlie or you can Thanks for watching my list guys. If you enjoyed the video, subscribe and like. We upload at least three videos per week about MMA. It really helps us out when you do so. If I missed anything on this vid, let me know in the comments and feel free to follow me on Twitter at JasonTheHeart or follow the official channel account at OnPointMMA. Thanks for watching so much and I'll catch you on the next video.